Diplo Chats is proudly supported by the City of Reno. Stay connected with your city by following the City of Reno on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. From the biggest little city in the world, this is Diplo Chats, where your global engagement begins with a chat. Presented by the Northern Nevada International Center, leading Nevada's global engagement. Hosting Diplo Chats, Manuel Mederos and Kevin Sun. And that's me and Kevin. Hold on, not yet. Is here with me. Ooh, that really <laughs> rhymed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Diplo Chats. I'm Manuel Mederos, your language access specialist for the Northern Nevada International Center. And I'm being joined, like always, my co-host... Hello everyone, this is Kevin Song, International Development Specialist at the Northern Nevada International Center. Your global engagement begins with a chat and we are welcoming you. Yes, welcome our global community to our episode number eight. Number eight. Can't believe it. Already? Already. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy because we started, uh, you know, back in August and obviously this is your Diplo Chats Segment eight for the month of March, 2022. So welcome, everyone. I'm so delighted that you're joining us here today. We have a cool, awesome program for you. And we are going to be talking about mental health, which we all need from time to time. And it's important for us to have a conversation about mental health. Exactly. Why, why, is it, why, is it, why is it important? It has been really stressful time, you know, in during the pandemic, everybody was suffering. In addition to that, also in just general t- life, people are suffering from so- certain type of stress or anxiety, mm-hmm. depression, mm-hmm. anger. Right. So we need to definitely uh, know how to heal those type of suffering. Right. So it, today's session is going to be really helpful and useful to get to know more about mental health services. Right. And we are going to be joined in a moment by Dr. Cindy Soto-Lopez. She is from the University of Nevada, Reno, Dye Center, La Clinica Viva, and you'll hear from her uh, providing an insight about uh, the different components, the complexity of the mind, the complexity of mental health uh, as a whole, but also provide uh, some tips about how to uh, help ourselves and notice when others perhaps might need the help. We cannot say we know everything about those right. type of or help. So please tune with us and learn more about those mental health services we can provide to others. And also we can get from Dr. Cindy Soto-Lopez. Right. I mean, that's why we bring experts to Diplo Chats to talk about those things because we are not experts and we need experts to really give us an insight, deeper dive into mental health in this case. So we'll be right back with Dr. Cindy Soto-Lopez on Diplo Chats. 
Do you want to make an impact in the life of a young adult? Well, do I have the program for you? NNIC invites you to join the Youth Mentoring Program. Through this new opportunity, you'll mentor one of the phenomenal youth in our refugee community. The purpose of this program is to support refugee youth in engaging ways to ensure their academic, professional, and personal success while maintaining and celebrating their cultural heritage. You'll take the lead as a positive role model, friend, and confidant. What's the time commitment, you ask? Only eight hours per month for a year. To register as a mentor and receive more information about the program, visit our website at unr.edu backslash NNIC. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Diplo Chats. I'm Manuel Medeiros. I'm Kevin Zong. Kevin is here with me, of course. We are back to our main part of our first segment. And today we're going to be talking about to all of you globally listening today about a very important topic that I think is uh, important, should be important to all of us, and that is mental health. We have, there's so many components to mental health. And we need to understand those components, including trauma being one of them. And I wanted to bring uh, one of our special guests here with me, but I wanted Kevin to introduce her. Kevin, sir. Yeah, we are here today with Dr. Cindy Sotorofez at the University of Nevada VIVAR Center. Uh, We are so glad to uh, have you here today, and we are looking forward to talking with you. Yeah, Dr. Cindy Soto-Lopez, and she's a doctor from the University of Nevada, Reno, from La Clinica Viva. It's a dye center, and I wanted you to welcome you, first of all. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. Now, tell us a little bit about the dye center and tell us about your profession. Yeah, so the dye center is a lab uh, in the clinical psychology doctoral program. And it's run by Dr. Lorraine Benuto, dedicated to the dissemination of evidence-based, culturally sensitive research. And so all kinds of stuff from treatment to how to deliver services. Awesome. And so what kind of services would that be? What services do you mean when you say services? What kind of services are those? Psychological services. Mm -hmm. And so... We have a clinical team that's run through the DICE Center where we work with people who have experienced trauma, uh, different types of trauma, violence, sexual violence, and uh, providing culturally sensitive services to adults, um, children as well, adolescents. And now those uh, people, I mean, uh, anyone that you serve, is it uh, what ethnicities do you usually serve? Let me go there. So we do serve uh, underrepresented communities, uh, Latinx, ethno-racial minorities. We sometimes do get referrals, uh, refugee populations. And by refugee, you mean some of our refugee, our, our own uh, family members that have come to northern Nevada. And those are people f- uh, perhaps from the uh, Congo, uh, the Republic of the Congo in Africa. And we have some from Syria and we have some from Afghanistan. Afghanistan exactly right. And so uh, so you work with all these populations in a very specific manner. And when you get talking to them, uh, does it open the door for other, I guess, other parts of the mental health spectrum where you need to help them out uh, or or is it just very specific? We definitely have the door open for 
the things that are important to the person. And so it's not uncommon for the person to bring in questions of spirituality or other things that maybe aren't considered traditional mental health focus. So you have yeah, exactly. So mental health care is pretty common in this country and many other countries, but still in a lot of countries, mental health care is not so common thing. So I was wondering um, if there are any other specific way you treat them, like to, to those population who are not so familiar with this care, who are not used to getting this mental health care. Yeah, that's a, a very good question because the stigma is very real. Right. For a lot of people, even acknowledging that they might be experiencing mental health difficulties can be a barrier. So a lot of the work is normalizing their response, especially in the context of trauma, really providing a lot of education about the common responses to trauma and how for their situation, it makes sense. So once you start providing a mental health care services, do you see the progresses like easily, do you see these huge progresses from your clients or the patient who are getting used to these services or do you normally struggle with them? It's actually pretty amazing. Uh, you do see progress fairly quickly, especially with prolonged exposure. Um, you know, there are some cases where the trauma may be very complex, but it's not unusual to see progress early on. And what is prolonged Exposure, what does that mean, actually? So prolonged exposure therapy is an evidence-based therapy that involves a couple things. Um, so it involves having the person uh, retell the details of their traumatic experience over and over. Uh, so that's imaginal exposure in session. And then there's in vivo exposure outside of session where you have the person confront feared situations on a hierarchy. Uh, as homework in between sessions. Uh, okay. So so if I have a phobia of some sort, like, um, you know, the elevator, mm -hmm. would you do a session in vivo, um, you know, or, or is it the other one? So we would have you, as part of that homework assignment, develop a hierarchy of approximating getting in an elevator and staying in an elevator for a certain amount of time. And that would be your homework assignment. Okay. Now, that's obviously very specific, and there's other phobias that people have, spiders and a bunch of other stuff. But uh, in terms of mental health, which, which I mean, I, I want to be sensitive when I say this because there's a lot of mental health uh, uh, concerns that people have. What is typically the one that raises the most or the one that kind of starts the process and, and connects other mental health issues perhaps or mental health concerns for people is it anxiety is it depression and then from there it opens up the door to other things yeah i would say anxiety and depression are the most common mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. sure and those really open the door to other th types of things right mm -hmm. right sure. so let's talk about uh trauma specifically what how would you define trauma so trauma is an experience where a person either has a real or a threatened um, uh, threat of death, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. serious injury, violence, sexual violence. And it can either happen directly to the person. It can They can witness it happening to someone else. They can learn details that it's happened to a loved one. Um, or it can even happen in the context of 
learning about details um, repeatedly on the job, like police officers, first responders. Mm. So something that they have, so they experience, when you say experience, I mean, either see, hear. Now, okay, so in terms of, uh, I'm going to talk about refugee, uh, you know, trauma in just a bit, but I wanted to step back a little bit. How does religion play a role in mental health in terms of a good or a not so good part? I would say in general, it's a protective factor. So it's a positive in the sense that it gives a person a coping system, hope, um, maybe a way of explaining or making meaning of the trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it could be problematic if some of the beliefs instilled by that particular religion were um, not conducive to therapy or coping. Mm-hmm. So then, so so in many in many parts, I think it does play a positive role in people's lives, right? I would say so, yes. Yeah. And so when, when people, uh, how, okay, so let me go to another part. How does religion play a role in people deciding to seek help and not to seek help? That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I think if it influences their beliefs about seeking help, right? I think in in some cases, um, people might decide not to seek mental health services if they believe that they can pray or or there's other solutions within the religion that will help them. And have you gotten to speak to a lot of people where it gets to a point where, you know, sort of surrender, I guess, and say, I need help? When is that moment, do you think? And, And does it come in different stages or for many people in many ways? I think it definitely comes in different stages. Um, It's not uncommon for people to say, I tried everything else and this was the last thing. Do you see huge differences between cultures? So for example, do you see a lot of populational differences among the cultures they are coming from? I would say so um, in the sense that in general, people from the majority culture are much more comfortable with the idea of seeking help, talking to a psychologist. Um, there's still stigma there for sure, but not as much as I see with other populations where they might be a little more hesitant to talk about, for example, problems within the family. Well, let's uh, let's do a little quick break. Uh, we're speaking uh, with Dr. Cindy Soto Lopez here on Diplo Chats. We appreciate your time and and. And discussions. This is a very important conversation about trauma and mental health. We'll be right back to Diplo Chats, ladies and gentlemen. And now, mindfulness moment with Dr. Yvonne Stedham on Diplo Chats. Effective communication is critical to our personal and professional well being. Yet, we all know that communicating effectively is extremely difficult. It requires that both the speaker and the listener are fully present and are paying attention. Mindfulness cultivates the ability to pay attention. How specifically can mindfulness support effective speaking and listening? Today, I will address mindful speaking, and in my next episode, I will talk about mindful listening. 
Mindful speaking results from the speaker bringing awareness to three aspects of what she or he intends to say. The three aspects are, is it true? Is it necessary and beneficial? Is it kind? Is it true refers to the speaker making sure that what she or he wants to say is factual, not just based on perception or gossip and hearsay. Is it necessary and beneficial points to considering the consequences of what the speaker wants to say? How will the listener respond and will that be helpful in any way? What is the purpose of what the speaker wants to say? Finally, is it kind is about avoiding harsh and mean language, bringing awareness to how one speaks. Even difficult things can be said in a compassionate, caring way. A very useful acronym that I use to remind myself to speak mindfully is WAIT, which stands for Why Am I Talking? With that, this is Dr. Yvonne. Have a mindful day. Hi, this is Dr. Yvonne Stedham. You're listening to Diplo Chats. Tune in to next month's Mindfulness Moments segment on Mindful Listening. Make sure to download Diplo Chats wherever you get your podcasts. Have a mindful day. I'm Manuel Medeiros for Diplo Chats. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. We are here speaking about mental health, which is very, very important. We're having a conversation with Dr. Cindy Soto-Lopez. She's from the University of Nevada, Reno, DICE program, La Clinica Viva. And she's been talking to us about refugee trauma, uh, the importance of just paying attention to little things. And that's actually where I want to lead this part of the last segment we have or last opportunity we have with you, Dr. Uh, Soto-Lopez. wanted to talk about strategies that people can actually look for meaning and and also opportunities because a lot of times we have opportunities for us to notice something on someone or ourselves uh, where we need to seek help. When do we need to be really real about that experience in, in ourselves? And one thing that comes to mind a lot of times is the fact, and, and I always think about, uh, you know, the Hispanic, Latino or Latinx population that, that you serve, uh, there, but there's other ethnic groups who are very prideful, uh, they don't want to talk about their weaknesses in terms of mental health. Showing weakness uh, or having an issue, a mental health issue is, in a way, very, um, I mean, you think of yourself like you're nothing. And a lot of times you don't want to share that with other people because then perhaps in your own mind, you'll think that they think the same way. How? So how? what I'm getting at is, let me ask you a question. So that part of people not really speaking or being comfortable at speaking about their mental health, where does that come from a lot of times, you think? I think, unfortunately, it comes from stereotypes and, and things that we might learn culturally that are not accurate. And when you say stereotypes, well, I mean, give me a little more. So one thing I'll often hear from my clients is, um, estoy loca, right? I'm crazy. Mm. Um for things that are completely valid. Right. And so these are messages that have been passed on by the community uh, that people really believe and hang on to. Oh, okay, I, I get you. So if, if I, you know, if I say, oh, you're acting crazy or, 
or some some little th- comments like that, people a lot of times take it to heart. Very seriously, yeah. Yeah, and that plays obviously a big role in either the the decision making of seeking help or not displaying that crazy part of themselves, I guess, right? Because then people think like, oh, there there's something really wrong, right? And and even a hesitance once they do seek help to share that with friends and family, mm. right? They'll often feel the need to keep it a secret, right? So when people come and 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 seek help from your uh, from the dice program in this case uh, are they coming in 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 desperation mode are they coming fresh from their trauma are they really deep in, in their trauma or what what or is it all of them we get a range mm-hmm. uh, most of the time they're being referred by their medical doctor mm-hmm. um, or a friend mm-hmm. who completed therapy and recommended it to them um, or family member. Okay. Um, but it's not uncommon for people to come in years after their trauma and they've just been kind of white knuckling it and, and finally decided it's time. Or or they're triggered, right? A lot of times we hear that they're triggered. They see something that really revives the whole entire trauma again, whether it's on TV or in person or something. And that can do it, right? Definitely. Yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about a little bit about how can people seek help because I think part of the of the program here is that we're discussing and having a conversation about mental health and really understanding it, which, by the way, we just covered just like a very small surface of it. There's more deeper conversations that we can have. Uh, and, and that's why one of the ideas through uh, having uh, a segment that we have here uh, with uh, Dr. Van Stedham in terms of mindfulness is paying attention to signs and paying attention to you as a person. So let's talk a little bit about how can people see signs either in others so that they can help them or perhaps do you have to allow that person uh, who you care about to realize what's going on so that they can take that step to get that help. So how does that work? How can we help people and how can we help ourselves a lot of times too? It's hard to navigate because you know, if, if you come off directly, the person might get defensive, right? And might say, no, there's, there's nothing going wrong. I don't need help. Um, so being gentle in your approach and also just being there for the person, right? Reaching out, checking in on people, suggesting that they get help, but not becoming too frustrated with them if mm-hmm. they don't, um, knowing that for some people it's harder. Right. So being, being, being patient with them. So where do we cross the point where I'm just, you know, I want them to get the help, but they don't listen, they don't act on it, they don't they don't seek help. I mean, it's not about giving up. I'm not going to give up on the person I love and care for, but what where is that point where what else can I do? You know, in desperation mode, what else can I do to help them if they're not really realizing it themselves that they need the help? I think encouraging them to participate in any behaviors that are healthy, that might help their mental health, right? Maybe you can enlist them to be your gym buddy, right? And, and get them to start working out or basic self-care. I, you know, I like that. So so what you just said is important because a lot of times we focus on trying to get the help for the person, you know, focus on the problem. Mm-hmm. But then, like to your point, helping them connect with people uh, socialize or do activities that could potentially help them 
perhaps realize that something's going on, but better yet is helping them overall for their well-being and mental health. So whether, you know, whether it's walking or hiking or whatever activity and family, um, that's important. I think you hit on the, on the, on the, you know, a very important part that I think a lot of times we focus on the problem rather than really providing the support and care and love in other means and ways. And does that a lot of times, is that the strategy a lot of times for you guys once you part of this uh, session and you, we talked about the elevator and the phobia, the people, you know, sometimes my experience, but then a, a lot of times is, is helping them bit by bit, slow, slowly kind of allowing them to either continue getting the help or seek help, right? Yes. And it, it's all about meeting people where they're at, because if they're not ready for it, um, it it's not going to be helpful to right. push them. So don't push me anymore, Kevin. <laughs> I don't need help. Just, yeah, go ahead. Actually, brought me one question about this pandemic time. Actually, pandemic mm, limited us good point. many different ways. Like you just mentioned, bringing these people to go to outside or do some engagement with some outdoor activities or something. But how did you deal with this pandemic time then in terms of those type of activities? Good encouraging point. people mm-hmm. to be more active. Yeah, it was very difficult because a lot of the things that we would recommend for people for maintaining or enhancing their mental health were simply unavailable, right? Mm. Or, um, you know, people were socially isolated, people were financially strained, our places of worship were closed, um, you know, people couldn't even engage in hobbies because all the supplies were gone, right? I, I knew people who liked bacon, baking, for example, as a self-soothing activity and couldn't find flour or other ingredients. Um, And so we had to get really creative with the activities that we could get people to to try. And also it was just a very stressful and depressing time for everyone. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, just being stuck at home and it just was, and then, when you started hearing about people passing away and all these things that, that created, you know, just uh, very emotional uh, time for all of us. And I enjoyed to enjoyed it for a certain degree just to be home uh, for a while, but, but that wasn't good. You know, we all, we are social beings and we need to socialize with each other. And, and obviously, you know, the video didn't do its justice. It did a little bit, but it's just the fact that we need touch. We need, encountered with people real people human beings that you know love us and it was just really difficult the most difficult part for me personally was seeing you know when when many of the our elderly population were inside uh the caregiving uh places and people would are not allowed to see them and that to me broke my heart because it's like you know we all need that touch we all need that kiss we all need that uh somebody to just care for us and that was very painful to see right yeah very devastating and social support and and that connection has a a buffering effect on us it it protects us in times of high stress and so we had a situation where it was high stress and all a lot of our coping mechanisms and protective factors were taken away just by the nature of of the pandemic well i do want to touch on one last thing you mentioned a few of them already but just to for our global community that is listening to diplo chats I wanted to find out what advice 
uh, would you give everyone in terms of just, you know, taking better care of yourselves? You mentioned activities and you can repeat it again, but I just wanted you to provide uh, insight to people who, if they need help, how can they get the help? And if they don't have those resources, perhaps in their country, what other means and ways can they get support where they live? Yeah, it's very important. So probably the most direct way to get help is asking your medical physician for a referral. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that's not available everywhere. Um, Things like basic self-care can go a long way. Um, For a lot of us, when we start to get really stressed out or really depressed, we stop taking care of ourselves, right? So making sure that you're drinking enough water, making sure that you're getting enough sleep, making sure you're eating balanced meals, healthy meals, we're, we're kind of like plants. We need to take care of ourselves on a very basic level in order to feel okay. And on top of that, social support is a big one, right? Uh, reaching out to family, friends, making those connections if you don't have them, uh, engaging in activities, exercise is a great one, any activities that make you feel good about yourself, relaxed. And I did want to touch, thank you for those, those uh, little tips, I did want to talk to our diplomats and our uh, leaders of countries, uh, including here. I mean, Nevada is 51st in mental health. That's embarrassing, Nevada. You know, uh, we need to do better. There's many parts of the uh, country here. I mean, being in this beautiful country of ours who, you know, thrives in many, many ways, we're leaving a lot of times uh, are, are, are the people that need the most help behind and it's very unfortunate, uh, and, and and it's not behind through, it could be economics, right? It could be uh, mental health, it could be other means, but it's just this is horrible. But uh, I think to our diplomats and 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 you know people out there who are leaders in your own country, advocate for people who need the help, uh, speak up and really get the help that that we all need because whether we see it or not or realize it or not, we all need help. A certain point, and and showing weakness is not a bad thing. I mean, we we you just have to be honest about what's really going on, so that you can get the right help. I mean, and and really being okay with it, right? Really talking about it, and really just saying, "I need help." Yeah, and and normalizing that as part of the human experience. Wow. Well, uh, Doctor uh, uh, Cindy uh, Soto Lopez, thank you so much for joining us today. I think we learned a lot, but I I really want all of you to know that this has just touched a little bit of the surface of mental health. We didn't even go diving deep, but but we want to have you back because I think this is a very important topic for us to learn more about. And really, I think the biggest goal here has been to take care of ourselves and take care of each other. Yes. Right? And, And love each other and just continue to show support and and just uh, be there for each other. So thank you all so much for joining us and speaking with Dr. Cindy Soto-Lopez from the University of Nevada, Reno, Dice Center, La Clinica Viva. We'll be right back with our Dipple Wrap. Myself and Kevin will go at it. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to Diplo Chats. The City of Reno's mission is to create a community that all people are proud to call home and is honored to sponsor Diplo Chats as part of their many initiatives to be an inclusive and welcoming city to all. This is our Reno. Nuestro Reno. Ito ang ating Reno. 
우리의 리노입니다. 